On this episode of the podcast, we are celebrating our LGBTQ Sims community members, and we thought the best way to support them would be to have a special guest. You may know Daniel as Milo Farmer on Instagram, or you may have seen his unique cube homes. But what you might not know is that he is a proud member of our LGBTQ community. Katie and I got to have a really amazing and emotional conversation with Daniel about what it is like to be a gay man in Brazil and how The Sims helped him express his sexuality even when those around him did not support him. She and Sim Podcast will be campaigning for the Trevor Project this month. Stay tuned until the end of the episode to find out more about them and how you can help. Let's kick off this episode now with Milo Farmer. We have a very special podcast guest today. This is our uh, Pride Month spotlight, Daniel. You guys might also know him as Milo Farmer on Instagram. Let's give him a big warm welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Happy to have you. Daniel, you and I met, I'm not sure about how you met Katie, but I know how we met. We met during a collab last year. It was hosted by Alex, Create for Sims. It was the um, Childhood Memories collab. And I remember when I said I was doing Clarissa Explains It All, you were like, oh, my gosh, I remember that from my childhood. And I was like, well, you've got to be my age then. <laughs> yeah, And exactly. then we found out we were the same age. So. Exactly. <laughs> that was it pretty was cool. so fun. Yeah. Yeah. So and that you... was my introduction to you. I didn't really know anything about you before then. Yeah, I, I was so new to the community back then. Katie, how did you meet Daniel? I think we just kind of became Instagram mutuals. I saw, I don't know who followed who first, but I know when I saw his profile, I saw these like cool 3D interesting <laughs> shapes on his on his feet. And I was like, whoa, follow. Because <laughs> it's just so unique what the kind of like content you put out there. It's, it's really cool and really interesting. Put in a disclaimer right here that you might have... Um, we might have some commentary in the background from Ingrid. So if you guys hear screaming children. <laughs> Sorry, she's supposed to be napping. <laughs> she's supposed to be napping, but she's, she's in she's a with really. Dad. <laughs> she's with her dad. She's not alone. Don't worry. She's just in a very bad mood. She's she's two. And if you've ever been around a two-year-old, you know that they are uh, unpredictable. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't really remember how Katie and I met. Um, I believe it was like this. I, I saw one of her buildings uh, being shared on a story and I loved it and I gave her a follow. And ever since we've been talking uh, once in a while sporadically. Yeah, because I remember briefly talking to you about um, like the Brazilian president and yeah. After, yeah. Like, not long after, what was it, not maybe like a year or so-ish after COVID and just kind of both of us ranting about Bolsonaro and and yeah, Trump exactly. and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, I remember that vividly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, well, I guess let's just start with the basics. Daniel, do you want to give us a brief introduction of yourself? Yes, yeah, sure. Hi, uh, I'm Daniel. Uh, you know me as Milo Farmer or Milo Farmer, if you prefer. Um, I um, have been building on Sims 4 since the pandemic. I mean, I've always been playing The Sims since The Sims 1, 
but um, you know, on and off, uh, because you know, life takes over. Uh, I had stopped for a while, but during the pandemic, I lost my job, and that means that um, I wanted to, you know, find a distraction, and uh, I installed Sims 4 because I already had it, but I had never played it, you know. And uh, well, uh, after a while, I mean, after a year and a half that I wasn't employed, I finally got a job. So I'm working once again in uh, advertising. If you don't know, I work in advertising for real estate. Uh, I, I was telling Jazzy uh, that um, I uh, kind of had some help from the Sims to, you know, um, find this job because they asked me if I knew anything about decoration and building and uh, architecture. And I said, yes, yes, I, I play a game that does that. Uh, so I have to do a lot of research. I have to, you know, follow uh, uh, real architects to get to know what I'm doing, you know, so I don't go too crazy on what I build. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that was the fun part. Um, oh yeah, I forgot to mention that I live in Brazil. I am Brazilian, fully uh, raised here. Uh, I speak three languages. Uh, one of them is French. Uh, the other one's Portuguese and uh, English, obviously. <laughs> And uh, yeah, uh, I've been having quite a lot of fun uh, with all the everything the community brings to us. You know uh, how we can share and uh, get to know and meet uh, some amazing people out there. I was going to ask you how many languages you spoke because I thought it sounded like you might know French just because of like the way you say some words in English, like you yeah. have a like that cadence. Um, that's pretty exciting. I, I have, uh, two, actually, is it three years? I can't remember a French from high school. So it's just very basic conversational French. Um, and then I'm actually going to be learning Spanish, um, mm -hmm. because the, the place where I'm going to start working, we have a lot of Hispanic, um, people that work with us and so right. it'll be extremely helpful but yeah that's uh that's pretty cool so um you mentioned that you started playing the sims 4 during the pan like the start of the pandemic when you lost your job yeah um so how did you find the sims community yeah um when, when i began playing uh the first thing that happened was um I wanted to uh, get a starter house, like I used to do on Sims 3, for instance, and uh, start playing and uh, raise a new floor and uh, add new furniture and do things like this. And uh, it, it was so difficult to do that, you know, when you are used to building Sims 3 and then you move on to Sims 4, you go like, okay, these tools are not what I'm used to doing. Yeah. So um, first thing I did was YouTube tutorial how to build on Sims 4. And I got to know uh, Kate Emerald. I believe she's the first reference we all legend. have in building. <laughs> exactly. And uh, from then on, I saw that she had socials and I said, hmm, let's see what she's offering here. And I saw that there was an Instagram, I saw there was a Twitter, and uh, I believe it was the, the first thing that I clicked was Instagram. And I said, wow, there's a lot of people here who are building and that's what I love to do. You know, I love to watch uh, tutorials on how to build and how to create new things. And uh, I said, you know what? I'm going to create one and I'm going to start sharing. I'm not going to follow anyone just yet. 
I'm just going to throw in some hashtags and see where this is going, where this is going to lead me. And in about a week, I had around 100 followers, which was pretty amazing. I mean, I had literally no idea what I was doing. And uh, from then on, I said, okay, now let's go and start following people and see uh, who I can be friends with. Uh, and and uh, I really uh, met uh, some very fun-loving people like the Sims Weekend Builder. She's such a lovely girl. And she's been there since week one with me, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Jen uh, from Ireland and uh, so many other people I got to meet and uh, we create this clique you know, and uh, working on on many uh, different collabs and things like this. And uh, that's kind of how I got into the, the community, you know, <laughs> this way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, well, and I remember when I met you, uh, you might have had maybe close to 300 followers at that yeah. point. And I just remember you like the way that you would talk about, you know, growth and like support. And I was like, you're, you're going to grow really fast. Like you, and you did, I feel like it was just like, boom. And then you just got all of the, these followers, which I mean, we don't, I, you're probably a lot like me. I don't know. I might be misspeaking, but I don't really do it for like the followers. I do yeah, it no, more for like the community and the, friendships because like you said we all kind of came into the community around the same time for the same reasons, reasons. Mm -hmm. and um i feel like those are the friendships that i that i've been able to maintain really well have been the people that i met like in the very beginning like you said like uh sophie and um yeah. jen and like uh, all of those I want to call them the OGs because I feel like that's kind of we're all sort of like the OGs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. Yeah, exactly. Last few years. <laughs> if you come to think about it, it's just been two years. It's not that much. I know, but it but these friendships I feel like are I've built friendships in the last two years that I feel like are gonna be lifelong. Yeah friends like it's and we're so far apart that's the other crazy thing is a lot of us are friends across oceans and friends even across languages exactly, and exactly. it's amazing it's been really really like I would have never thought two years ago that I would be speaking with you or yeah. you know our friends in Germany like mm -hmm. it's it's crazy, but I love it. It's been wonderful. Um, so you started sharing your work because of the pandemic. Um, what do you think, like, for you, what build stands out as, you know, the build that really made you feel like, wow, like, I, I found my place and this is like, something that I want to continue doing. Okay. So <clears throat> when I first started building, I was, you know, doing the, you know, white picket fence house because that's uh, what the game offers initially, you know. Um, and I was looking for something that would speak to me. 
and I was trying different styles, trying different approaches. I would see someone that I would admire and say, mm, I'm going to try to copy that and see where this would lead me. Because I, myself, I don't know about you and others, but um, I learn from example. Mm -hmm. So I see something, I make it exactly the same. And then I say, mm, I learned from this. Now I'm going to take this and apply to something mine. That's how I work. That's how I learn. And so I started doing this, uh, you know, especially from Kate Emerald. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, she teaches this, you know, her tutorials. And then um, I started looking for geometry. You know, once I learned how to build, I said, let's look for geometry, simple geometry. And I created the Cubist Chalet, you know, um, I think it was on April last year. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the first one that, you know, blew up, literally blew up. I went from 300 followers to 1,000 in three days' time. That was insane. And uh, I, 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 would mean, I would say that that was the first build that changed the whole game for me. Yeah, I did a little bit of an uh, Instagram deep dive before we started, and I wanted to try to put a date on that first rendition of the cube house is you know i don't we like to make names for everything like you know we don't know what you would call it but i know that um if you listen to simon's episode i was calling his uh his upside down staircase that was the <laughs> for me it was the mc escher build because that's yeah <laughs> that's what it resonates as um so the cube house is what i like to lovingly refer to your creations yeah um so the first, yeah, I was going to say, I was trying to find the date on the first rendition of that. And so I was, I was actually like thinking it was not as long ago. I was, I, I can't believe it's been at this point over a year since the first one. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, I, I actually think that's might've been around the time I first like saw your creations, like mm -hmm. Daniel, mm -hmm. because I then I remember like following you and I saw a post on your stories and that's how we got to talking about like politics for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I might have been one of those thousand-ish followers you got from <laughs> from that Probably. post. <laughs> yeah. And he and I had already been working together at that yeah. point on the collab. And so and it was so different. I remember just thinking like, you know, I had seen I had seen a lot of your old builds just going through like when I was trying to figure out like, who is this guy? Um, <laughs> no, I had looked and seen like what you're, what you were building. And it was very similar to what the rest of us were building. You know, yeah. you had a lot of traditional homes in there, maybe a couple of modern things thrown in there, but like this artistic geometric, like what, where did the seed come from for that build? Like Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that was an inspiration from, uh, I believe it was an American architect who, you know, was very active in the 60s. I forgot his name right now, but he used to make really uh, geometric houses, you know, and uh, defying gravity houses. Uh, that's, that was his style. And uh, those were the first searches that I did uh, on Pinterest and then on architectural websites and uh from then on 
I started looking for shapes and not just on houses, but on objects, regular objects. I have a house that was <laughs> nearly impossible to make because, uh, like you said about Simon Escher, this house I called it Escher because it was uh, all twisted and crooked and uh, it, it was uh, four builds connected through stairs and everything was in diagonals. So insane. And uh, that house nearly drove me crazy to build. And um, why was I talking about this anyway? Yeah, because of the shapes. Uh, and, you know, coming up with that shape uh, was insane. And that came from simple geometry and uh, how I could play around with the objects that we have in the game and how to connect them. And sometimes that's how my builds are born, you know. Uh, I just start fiddling around and seeing what can, you know, connect to what else. And <laughs> suddenly I have, boom, a house or something that might be a house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I can tell like your stuff is definitely inspired by Kate and your use of the tool mod is yeah. you're on the elite, I would say, end of oh. the spectrum for tool, tool mod usage. Oh, for sure. Well, Daniel, if I recall, I remember you used to put out like these short videos where you would yeah. kind of do tutorials. I remember seeing one from you and I was, my jaw just dropped. It was like you made a plumb bob. Oh yeah. Like a yeah. 3D plumb bob out of like water sprayers and lights yeah. or something. And I was like, what the <laughs> hell? This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like what? How does somebody? I I first have I to ask. I'm, how does someone's brain even? I was just think about to say that. that. Like I, my, I don't think I could even if I wanted to. Like I, I would spend so long trying to get the angles right. I would, would probably just throw in the towel after like fifteen minutes. I'd be like, I'm not smart enough to do this. Well, actually, that one was quite funny to do because um, I just wanted to do something very simple. I wanted to turn them into showers. That that's all I wanted to do. You know, and I said, mm -hmm. hmm, can I turn them upside down? Yes, I can. What else can I do with this? And then I started working on the plumb bob. <laughs> well, pretty cool. Yeah, I remember seeing that and I was like, this is freaking awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. And now that we've seen like this eclectic array of your build styles, uh, do you have a favorite now that you've been doing this for almost two years? Yeah, yeah. Um, I am a, a modern type of guy. I, you know, being from Brazil has some uh, particularities. The first one is uh, our history is very short. I mean, Brazil is 500 years old. It's not like we are an European country that has thousands of years. So basically everything that we have here is new. And when we talk about uh, architecture, uh, until 1960, everything was imported from Portugal. Everything. All our references, everything. And uh, from then on, we had Niemeyer, a very famous architect. He built Brasilia. He built, uh, you know, the Copan here in Sao Paulo. And uh, that's very um, concrete-like. That's very appealing. Uh, it doesn't have uh, many elements, but it's beautiful because of the simplicity. And so uh, when when I, I get to my own references of architecture, I go to his style and I go to this modernism and uh, uh, I forgot the word in, in English, actually. <laughs> it's um, 
anyway his style is is very geometric and linear and modern and uh, that's my favorite style when it comes to architecture uh mostly because of this reference that we have we also had uh an amazing woman architect here lina bobardi uh she did the museum of art of sao paulo and uh if you look it up it's m-a-s-p it's this beautiful red structure right in the middle of uh, an avenue and uh everything is very open it's very bright she put glasses everywhere and uh it's a really beautiful museum it's very simple and that's the type of build that i like i'm actually pulling that up right now yeah i i love that that cantilevered yeah building just coming it just like comes Yes, I love this. Well, we have Charlotte. So sh <laughs> you were talking about young cities and young countries. Yeah. Brazil still has, you know, couple a hundred couple years. hundred years <laughs> on, <laughs> on the United States. Um, but we, Katie and I both live in fairly young cities. Um, mm -hmm. Columbus is definitely a little bit older than Charlotte. But mm -hmm. as far as architecture goes, um I would say like the sixties and seventies is really where Charlotte started to grow. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we have a lot of this like modern postmodern architecture, architecture in the city. Um, but I'm also from Baltimore and we have a, the Maryland Institute college of art is one of the most gorgeous modern buildings I've ever seen in person. Um, it's just this big glass pyramid. I don't even know how it's not really a pyramid either. It's, but it's, um, but yeah, this is just, this is in my wheelhouse for sure. I love stuff like this. Well, I've never been to Brasilia, um, but my husband spent a lot of time in Brazil. Um, and he has, and he sent me some pictures and I was like, whoa like there's some really i can see like the ins if you take inspiration from that like i can kind of see that in your builds like just cool shapes because you can correct me if i'm wrong i will admittedly say i don't know much about brazilian history beyond like what my husband's sure. kind of i've overheard from him but brasilia is a it was like founded as the capital not that long ago right like in the 50s no. or 60s or around there yes exactly uh, a brief history is uh the first capital of brazil um was now i might say something stupid and even though i am from brazil but the first capital of brazil was salvador salvador is uh on the northeast then it changed to rio de janeiro or it was the other way around now i am a bit confused and then in 1960 uh you know during the 50s it was built the six in 1960 exactly it was uh, opened uh brasilia is in the mid center of brazil so um there was not you know anything there though no cities no population just you know forests so nothing and uh the decision to create brasilia there uh, was to bring the people to the center of brazil you know to have a reason to go there so uh the president would be there the ministers everything would be there and uh how would they attract people there by planning a city uh, the city of brasilia is shaped like an eagle which is super cool uh, if you look you know from an airplane or a drone it looks like an eagle 
and um, they called Nehemiah to create uh, all the palaces that we have there. So all the builds that you see there are called palaces. Each one is named after a bird, and uh, it's super neat if you come to think about it. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that with us. You're welcome. Learn something new. When you're creating content, uh, how do you decide what you're going to post? Is that something that you have like a, a plan? Uh, do you just sort of like, this is what I'm in the mood to build and this is what I'm posting? How do you manage that content yeah. creation? Yeah. Uh, when I was unemployed, I literally took the game as a job, you know. I would sit at nine o'clock and stop working at six. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I, I would create, 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 make builds, 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 rooms, rooms, rooms. And there was a point that I had a queue of 50 builds. And uh, I was posting, you know, 10 photos a day, you know, <laughs> that was super easy to do. And uh, I had this queue. And uh, once I started working, uh, I had to really slow down my rhythm uh, because uh, I don't just play, I do other things. Um, and uh, 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 this queue of 50 builds eventually ended, finally. And now um, I post whatever I'm currently building or that I built recently. You know, like right now my queue is of three builds only. That's really good. And uh, I just decide, um, okay, today's the day I'm going to post this one because I need uh, to post something very quick that I can show in one post, or maybe this one I'm going to show in three posts and it gets me a little more time to work on something else. And that's how I've been deciding now. But before, like you said, um, I had this whole spreadsheet planned, you know, with all the builds that I had and when I was going to post them and with reminders of collabs and, uh, oh, I have to post the, the poster for the collab and I have to do this. And nowadays I don't do this anymore. But uh, it was very cool while it lasted, you know, that I could have this big, beautiful planning. But uh, now it's just not possible anymore. So I just post whatever uh, I'm working on. I wish I could be that organized. The only time I've ever that organized is when I am working on a collab. Uh, and that's, uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I had like a calendar and I was trying to follow it and then I, I would be good for like two weeks and then I would just be like, I, I can't, I can't get this calendar out of my face. Yeah, exactly. 50 bills in the queue. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays I, I don't have the time or the patience to do this anymore, but you know, sitting at home all day, I had to find an occupation. Right. So, you know, uh, planning and doing things like this, that would keep me occupied and sane, especially sane because um, the beginning of the pandemic was very harsh. Uh, I literally spent seven months without setting foot outside the house. I had no idea what was going on. I wasn't seeing anyone. I was literally by myself for seven months. Yeah. So in order to not go crazy, I had to keep me, you know, occupied and busy all the time. Yeah, that has to be really hard. I mean... I'm in a way like I'm, I am really thankful that I I do have a partner and I was able to go through it with someone because I'm not really sure like how I mean I already suffered a lot mentally through that whole process mm -hmm. um so I honestly have no idea how I would have 
made it out by myself. Um, but yeah, it's it, it was tough and yeah, just I'm glad that something good did come out of it for you because it sounds like you enjoyed you were able to really like enjoy this hobby and make it something you know that you looked forward to every day exactly um i had been on a work schedule very difficult i was working non-stop uh, for the past four years before the pandemic uh, i had definitely not taken any holidays or breaks or anything like this i would work uh from nine to god knows what time and uh you know working in advertising and working advertising for social media is extremely difficult because uh a client might come to you and say i need this for tomorrow and uh, it's 10 o'clock in the evening and you have to work long hours to finish whatever he's asking you and uh i came from this rhythm you know working 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 and when i lost the job i wasn't sad i was happy glad and relieved i said to myself if i have to go through, through this pandemic worrying about my job and my duties i might break so when I lost the job, I said, I have savings, I have money, I have how to, you know, keep myself going. I can only focus on staying healthy. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me. That's great. Yeah, that's, I was actually going to ask you, but you had, you mentioned, I was going to ask you, it was almost a relief to, to yeah. lose the job because it sounds like it was a bit overwhelming <laughs> with how much yeah. they demanded from you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, for me, um, you know, I can speak for myself. I was very privileged to lose the job and have the means to keep myself, you know, alive and doing everything that I had to do. Uh, and I, of course, feel extremely sad for everyone who, like me, lost their jobs, but didn't have the means to keep going, you know. Uh, so I completely understand the privilege that I had and I am so thankful you know, that it, I was able to do that, you know. Yeah, definitely. So, um, <laughs> that was yeah, so everyone deep. Went I like, don't even know how to, how to, how to transition out of it. Like, yeah, like that, you know, it just, it just hits hard because I, I think as a society, as we are, we're not necessarily coming out of COVID, but I know, at least in the United States, a lot of people are kind of like back to normal, but it's kind of like we have to all kind of get over and heal from this. In a way, it was like a, it's a collective trauma. I obviously know yeah. certain parts of the the pop, you know, the population, like like first responders, doctors, nurses, people in the front lines, kind of went through way worse than us sitting in our houses. Yeah, did, but you know, we all have thoughts and feelings and yeah, that are deep that we, that we're still kind of reeling from. I mean, my personal experience was my daughter was born three weeks before lockdown wow. and I went from planning, you know, having my parents come and help me and my mother-in-law who lives in Germany was going to fly over and our, my father-in-law, um, it's going to come a little bit later and, obviously all to be canceled and so it was just this overwhelming feeling of being alone with a newborn yeah. <laughs> I think you know in a way we're all still recovering from from some of the stuff 
that that happens. So yeah. On a lighter note, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that I noticed when we were like coming back as we were traveling back home, uh, we stopped at a fairly busy like gas station and it was pretty crowded on the inside and you could just see the look of panic on people's faces because there were just so many people in one small space. (laughs) And so people were like, Oh my God, get me out of here. Like (laughs) we're just not socially equipped after what we went through. I feel like we lost a little bit of that, uh, in person, like social, uh, behaviors or normalcy i should say and so it's just kind of like we're all just yeah no matter if it's mentally if it's even just socially we're all still healing from this very weird uh experience that we all went through together Mm -hmm. and just again it's it's goes back to us all kind of finding the community at the same time for the same reasons. Yeah. Now now we're all coming out on the other end or a lot of us are coming out on the other end and we're all just trying to figure out life again. Right. (laughs) Together. Yeah. Readapting is going to take a while, but uh, eventually it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I guess kind of why we're on this, like kind of like mental health Sure. Note, creator burnout happens to all of us. I'm assuming it's happened to you too. What do you do to cope and handle the kind of burnout that comes with this pressure of content creation? Yeah. Especially when Uh, you've been doing it for two years. Full-time job, yeah. (laughs) Two years. Yeah, but um, uh, I've learned how to deal with this, uh, you know, very long ago because I work in a creative, you know, profession. You know, uh, creating ads and websites and things like this that consumes your mind, you know, very quickly and very often. Uh, yesterday was one of those days, actually. Um, I was working, you know, nonstop all day long. And when my shift was over, I said, I'm going to play The Sims. I started building and I said, oh, God, I don't feel like doing this. So I stopped. Um, but what I do is... Um, I don't feel bad for not playing, for not building, for not doing anything. I just simply stop. I don't open the game. I go do something else. You know, um, my my go-to uh, thing is to watch films or series or movies and, and um, things that might inspire me, things that might bring me reference. Uh, now that we can actually go outside, I walk around a little bit and see people and see the sunlight and uh, I don't know, I just take my mind off everything uh, that is related to creating content and I just, it's, it's, it's like this. Um, now I understand why some TV shows are very dumb because you just need to not think, just need to mm-hmm. relax, you know, not, not, uh, I don't want to, you know, watch this TV show that's about an investigation and they're talking about this and that and clues and things like that. I don't. I just want to watch something that is going to take my mind off everything. And that helps me a lot. And it's the same thing as to going outside and walking and seeing people and playing with the dog or taking care of plants or whatever you can think about that is not going to consume your mind. You know, Um, it's very different when you are, you know, physically exhausted and when you are mentally exhausted. 
they are so different because when you are just physically tired, you have some sleep and it helps you. But when you are mentally uh, burned out, uh, it's not just sleeping. You need to defocus from everything. And that's usually my advice. Stop doing anything that's going to, you know, make your mind work. Make it not work. That's good. That's a good thing. You need this. You know, that's how I cope with this. Video games did that for me over the last two years. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, I'm not much of it, like a TV watcher. Uh, I, My husband and I, we have certain series that we'll watch when they come through. Like, I'm really excited. Umbrella. Have you ever seen Umbrella Academy? I've seen the first season. And uh, so many shows came out after. And <laughs> I said, it's in my list. Uh, I'm going to watch it. So <laughs> it is probably one of my favorite Netflix series. Mm. I'm not too much of a fan of Netflix and as a whole anymore. Right. Um, but that that series is like a passion series for me. I absolutely love it. And I know that later this month that their uh, season three is coming and I cannot wait to meet Victor. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, um, is that Elliot Page's yeah, character? Yeah, They're bringing yeah. him back. Oh um, yeah, and I I just want to see how that gets woven into the story. Like, I don't think it'll be one of those things where it's like all of a sudden he's Victor. I feel like there's gonna they're gonna have to tie some sort of story back, you know, back to how that happens. Right. Um, but I'm I'm so excited for that. But video games in general have just really been that saving grace for me, mm. and. Speaking from an older, you know, older generation, not that Katie's not that much younger than us, but um, being on the elder millennial spectrum, right. I feel like your peers sometimes will give you a lot of flack for like still being into like video games and playing video games. Do you experience any of that like within your like social circle? I actually don't because, like I said to you, um, I am in a creative field, mm -hmm. so we value video games, we value nerd stuff, we value everything that uh, you know people who are not in the creative field would value. You know, so for me, uh, I, I don't experience that. Actually, that's praised. You know, when I talk to my friends about, oh, I've been playing this game, or I've been watching this movie, or I've been doing this and that. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's so cool. I, I want to do that too, or I am doing this too, you know. So everything's just fine for me. Do you have any other games that you like to play other than The Sims? I actually own uh, Sega Genesis here. <gasps> that's yeah. awesome. Wow. So <laughs> uh, my boyfriend like and when I... When we were kids. Exactly, that one. Love it. Uh, so my boyfriend and I, we like to play Sonic on it. That's a good one. Yeah. So we really play Sonic too because there's the versus mode. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember that. I mean, I had I had a Sega and also my first handheld. I never had a Game Boy or anything mm. like that. My first handheld was a Sega, uh, the Sega handheld. Right. And I had the Lion King, I think, was like this, you know, the game that I had. And um, but I. Yeah, Sega is definitely one of my favorite gaming consoles ever. Yeah, yeah, me too. 
And you know, uh, when someone asks me if I play something else, I don't have the time. I literally don't have the time. <laughs> so either uh, I'm playing the the Genesis on on the weekends, or the Sims during the week. Other than that, it's very rare. Really, very rare. Yeah, Katie grew up with all those old school gaming consoles too because her parents, I don't know if you knew that about her, but like her parents were huge gamers through like the oh, 80s and 90s. I yeah. had no idea. <laughs> I got into gaming because of not just my dad, but my grandma, my dad's mom. She let us play all the games when we were young, like even games oh. you shouldn't have been playing like Diablo Unreal Tournament, all she's really okay. even to this day she's really into like the D and D type of mm. games. Um, so yeah, my 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 grammar, my grammar, <laughs> my <laughs> grandma is a gamer, and yeah, my dad was into Atari and stuff like that too. When when that was popular <laughs> before oh, my time. <laughs> so this is our special pride month uh episode and we're very grateful that you uh came to to speak on behalf of the community um so do we just want to start with your your story let's start with your story sure sure um well um i was about 16 years old way before the internet way before everything that we know today when I first met a boy, um, I was in high school and he was already the first year of college or something like this. And we hooked up and uh, I believe it was the following year, I was 17 years old, my mom find, found out about it. You know, we were seeing each other for about two to three months. My mom found out about it and she was supportive of me, you know. She was okay with everything. Um, a few months later, I believe it was uh, past July, maybe August, I'm not sure, my dad found out about it and he gave me a very hard time about it. Uh, it shook our relationship to the point where today, 20 years later, we still don't talk to each other the way we should, you know, as a father mm -hmm. and such. But, um, the basic of the story is this, um, boy meets boy, uh, mom finds out, mom supports, dad doesn't. That was the, the beginning of everything. Uh, my mom's side of the family was very supportive of me. You know, my grandmother, my grandfather, my aunts, everyone. But uh, my father's side of the family, they were never supportive. And to this day, they know that I have a boyfriend, but they don't want to meet him that's very difficult for me because I have tried many times to introduce him and there came a point when I said I'm going to stop because it's hurting everyone you know yeah yeah but, but, I make boundaries uh, <laughs> yes well you know uh, when I talk about uh, when I came out uh, 2000 2002 uh, that was a very different time from what we have today mm -hmm. especially in Brazil Brazil is a very sexist country you know, you have the macho culture here. And uh, I would say that being gay in Brazil is already dif difficult, but being trans would be even worse. You know, gays and lesbians here, we have it hard, but we have it easy. 
um, trans people don't. It's difficult from day one to the day they die. And the life expectancy of a trans person here in Brazil is of 36 years only. And that really makes me sad because I want to do more than what I am doing right now. Um, you know, just respecting people, respecting their pronouns is not enough. You really have to fight along with them and not just for them. Do you know what I mean? You mm -hmm. have to be on their side. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I go back to my beginning, to the beginning of my story, 20 years ago, um, I did not know anything that I do now. And I understand that back then, um, a lot of the prejudices that um, are around in my country and the mentality and that are taught from us, uh, sorry, taught to us yeah. from the moment that we are born were still in me. And it took me pretty much 20 years to deconstruct all that. And every day I try to, you know, uh, break uh, something that I learned and uh, say, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be saying this. And uh, it's never going to be over. It's going to be a path. But at the same time, I'm so glad that right now I've walked all these 20 years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you feel like you have a little bit more acceptance now than 20 years ago? Like, what does that look like for you right now? Um, that's a very difficult subject to talk about for one reason, one reason only. Um, we changed a lot until 2018. You know, 2018 is a very important year in Brazil. Uh, everything was changing for the good. Uh, the acceptance, we finally got uh, same-sex marriage legalized. We finally had uh, all the rights that we should be having, you know, being granted to us. I still cannot donate blood, though, and that's, you know, bad. Yeah, you know, that, that, that's going to change. Uh, I feel it in my bones that it's going to change. But everything was changing for the good, you know, uh, more rights. Um, we were being more accepted. We were being uh, shown on TV, depicted not just as the funny people, but, you know, as people who exist. Mm -hmm. And then came Bolsonaro. You know, I am very vocal about politics, uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, he's very conservative. He put conservatives in charge. Our ministers are in charge. Uh, the minister of family, uh, you know, she said that there are only two genders, men and woman. And everything that we had, you know, the trans people who could use their social names and uh, trans people who could, you know, have access to medical treatment, right? you mm -hmm. know, public health treatment. They no longer have access to that because she said, oh, that's not important because this is just a phase that they are going through. And, you know, very bad, very harmful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, things started changing back to what they were before, you know, the, the good changes. And uh, I feel like we are taking some steps back. And this year is very important for us once again because it's also election year. And we get a chance to, you know, change not just the president, but the whole government and take everyone away from this power and put people who actually care about the, not just the population, but the LGBT population, yeah. you know, uh, 
two years ago we had election for the city councillors, which was really good. And for my surprise, the most voted city councillor here in Sao Paulo, my hometown, was a trans woman. And I was so glad that she won. And uh, I'm going to try to say this without crying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this woman is really fucking awesome because she does a lot of what I want to do. Her name is Erica Hilton, and uh, she's fucking awesome. And she fights for us. Not just the trans, but the whole LGBT community. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's really inspiring to to hear this. And I mean, again, I know a little bit about Brazil and that it's recent turmoils because my husband follows it, it closely because he does PhD research in Brazil. Um, and I know we, he was really devastated when when Bolsonaro was elected and oh, he explained course. to me like it's basically like the Brazilian Trump, but worse in 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 some ways, yeah. um, which is I mean, I you know, we, we try to be neutral, but I will say I don't like Trump. I yeah, yeah. No, I'm very anti-Trump um, and course, that, that whole alt-right movement is, I think, extremely dangerous, yet surprisingly, you know, pervasive, not just in American culture mm. um, or United States culture specifically, but all over. I mean, yeah. you know, even in more progressive places like Europe, you know, they have um, Le, Le, pa Le Pen or what her name is in, in yeah, France yeah. who does... Who does surprisingly well? I mean, I don't think she's won yet, but I know this last election round, it was, you know, she had a chunk. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm really glad you you talked about that so openly because you know I know it was something I wanted to ask you, and obviously you you don't ever have to yeah. say more than you're comfortable with with to us. But thank you for giving us some insight and you know a little bit of hope that things can get better. I, I know politically, again, around the world, we're we're kind of unfortunately in this conservative, hopefully just a, a small blip in society. Hopefully we can stop regressing and start to progress again mm -hmm. with, mm -hmm. with these, you know, issues that are they're very, very, very important to so you know so many so many people um yeah of course yeah um, i mean uh th this whole alt-right thing is very difficult because they don't really care about the population no and uh their politics does not just ignore lgbt people but ignores every single layer of the society that doesn't interest to them you know mm -hmm. well we're talking about poor people we're talking about uh people who uh, have disabilities or people who uh uh, 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 have, have some kind of mental uh, issues, uh, mental uh, who, who need, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, special care. And um, they really don't care about these people. They really don't care about anyone. They care about yeah. money. You know, it's very bad. Very, very yeah, bad. And it's, I don't, I mean, again, I don't know super much about Brazilian politics, but in the U.S., the alt-right, it's not even just ignoring them. It's persecuting them. Yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. it's creating laws because they don't like them, basically. Exactly, exactly. And they don't think that they should be able to exist openly in society. 
which is it's just it's just horrendous. I I can't imagine thinking my personal opinions towards somebody that I don't like, which again, like I don't have a group of people that I, I hate for no good reason besides their skin color or who they have sex with or anything like that. But I couldn't imagine even if I did like making laws to control those those people. And, you know, it's just an unfortunate side effect of this much older, like Puritan yeah. culture of, yeah, it's just... Oh no, that's hard. It sucks. Exactly. <laughs> it sucks. exactly. It's one of the the worst problems that we have in the world right now. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. instead of people trying to help other people, they are trying to you know prevent people from existing. That just doesn't make any sense to my you know to my point of view. I've right. been a I've been a very long time uh, LGBTQ plus rights activist. Um, long before I realized that I was part of the queer community myself mm -hmm. um, because I have an uncle, well, he's passed now, but right. I had an uncle who was gay and as a young child before really truly understanding um, sexuality myself and what gay mm -hmm. people, who they were, mm -hmm. uh, all of that behind it. Um, I, I remember feeling very passionately about the subject right. and not understanding why it wasn't okay for him to be socially open about his relationship. Um, he was a military man. Uh, he was a church going man. He had this, uh, persona I suppose that he had to project outwardly to the community and I know that it had to have been hard for him of course. never really truly being able to come out um, he passed away in 2012 okay. and uh, he was never openly gay um, which still to this day really breaks my heart to know that he wasn't able to live his truest self. Of course, of course. Yeah. You know, that, that is uh, very bad when you have to hide who you are, you know, just to be accepted. And yeah. I understand that that is not the right thing to do, but sometimes it's what you have to do yeah. to keep living. Uh, it, it, it's like... In some situations, you have to measure your words and measure how you are going to talk to people, just so you don't you don't pass as uh, I don't want to say unprofessional, but I want to say as not being part of that specific situation. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, like you said, military or religious, and uh, those are not the places where you you get to be openly who you are. You know, when you can get to say yes i am gay i am a military because they don't view that as something good just the same as in religious uh situations um i don't know which was his religion and uh here in brazil we have the the people who call themselves evangelists and they mm. are uh very harsh on everything that is related to lgbt community and especially when it comes to gender identity for them uh that is not something that is accept acceptable 
nor that it exists, you know, uh, more than two genders. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up Catholic, so. Yeah. You know, that that religion has its own skeletons. um, Right. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. But I, I grew up in rural Ohio. And if you're not familiar with like the American political landscape, most rural places in the United States are very conservative and very religious. And I grew up in one of, I'm not, I'm not joking when I say like a handful of families, like more progressive families. I guess, Daniel, something I really, really wanted to talk with you about as someone who's part of the community is how do you feel about Pride Month? I know it's portrayed as like a really positive thing and I think it is, but I know in recent years, there's been this discussion of, you know, corporate culture kind of taking advantage of this month for to sell things. And I guess I just wanted to get your thoughts on how do you feel about Pride Month? Can I just say before we get your opinion on this, Mm -hmm. I am of the opinion that no matter what, you should be celebrated no matter like all the time. Like it's just like I don't believe that we should have just a one month for black history. Like I feel like Mm -hmm. everyone deserves to be equally celebrated all the time Mm -hmm. and I feel like Katie you know I kind of do feel like corporations are starting to take advantage of all different groups so we would we would really like to hear your opinion exactly um just this week um I, I was talking about on Twitter I think um that um Pride Month is uh that one month a year where we scream because we are not heard during the rest of the year. Pride is not just about celebrating who we are, but actually fighting for rights. Um, we don't want much, we just want respect. We want to be uh, taken uh, seriously. We want to have the same rights as any other human being, uh, be it because we want equal marriages or because we want to have our names in our documents and things like this or because we want medical treatment, whatever. And uh, we want to either reduce or stop the violence and either reduce or stop the murders. And uh, that's what, you know, basically we shout for during this month. The rest of the year, okay, we we have uh, some, you know, very uh, specifically moments when things happen and we, you know, make a protest or something like this but this month is you know look at us we exist we are here uh just like we have uh, the breast uh, breast cancer awareness month or breast cancer Awareness month or mental health month we have this we have a month where we tell everyone to look at the lgbt community because you haven't been looking at us during the rest of the year now, uh, when we talk about corporate, uh, uh, you know, the, the companies taking advantage of this, this is very bad because it's not just about selling a product that is rainbow washed or pink washed or something like this, but it's about taking something that is so important and turning it into something that is trivial. Oh, it's just a celebration this month. That's okay. Uh, next month, it's on a different subject. When in fact, it's not. We are raising awareness for the LGBT 
plus uh, i sorry i i i'm thinking in two different languages you can right do q plus <laughs> yeah yeah the, the, everyone <laughs> well, like we call here in brazil it's the valley you know yes. it's the, the valley of the dolls and uh you know everything <laughs> um so uh they, they they take this month where we are looking at the the needs of the community and they are treating us as just a marketing prop which is definitely not good Oh, we are selling this uh, beautiful rainbow earring set that you can purchase, and one uh, percent of the revenue is going to be donated to shelters. I mean, come on, that's not something cool to do. That is not. If you really want to do something for the community, just for the sake of doing something for the community, you can, you know, definitely uh, work with them. Uh, you know, with this shelter, show what the shelter looks like, and. Uh, you know, say uh, all the profits of this product are going to go to them. I mean, it's not something hard to do. Um, there are many different uh, ideas and things that these companies can do. You know, uh, I'm not going to say the, the name of the company here because I'm not getting paid by them, but <laughs> there's a company here that sells burgers. They're very famous. They're everywhere around the globe. And they do make some, you know, um, valid points uh, when it comes to LGBTQIP plus whatever. Uh, I often forgot the acronym. Uh, <laughs> uh, when it comes to hiring them and giving them rights and things like things like this. And uh, I know the personally the the art director uh, who is doing the campaigns for them, and so I know. They are not just, you know, blurting out and, and doing just for the sake of, you know, being famous because they don't need this. They already are famous. So they are really helping the community. And that's one of the few companies that I know that are doing this. Uh, but yeah, uh, taking advantage of this, just like taking advantage of, you know, breast awareness, sorry, breast cancer awareness month to sell flowers is just something bad. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Let's talk about how The Sims have uh, have celebrated our friends in the community. What? How do you? How do you feel like they're doing? Are they doing a good job with inclusivity and awareness? Because I really feel like that's what it's about. It's not. It's not a a celebration. It's really an awareness. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, uh, the most recent update that we had that is about pronouns, that is game-changing. Um, I play in English, so I don't know how it works in my own language, but um, I see that the fact that they changed this in English already is making people feel very emotional about it because, you know, it's very limiting when you can only have him and her and you cannot have themselves refer to one person. Do you know what I mean? Uh, neutral pronouns uh, is uh, a subject that is easy to talk about in English, but rather difficult to talk in my own language. Yes. Not because not because of my culture, but because Portuguese is a very difficult structured language. So when we talk about adding uh, pronouns, mm -hmm. neutral pronouns in Portuguese, we are talking about changing the structure of the language. In English, that already existed. 
you know, do, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, they referring to someone you don't know already existed, but in Portuguese that doesn't. So we're talking about changing the whole language. I really don't know how this is going to work in the game, but let's talk about it in English. Um, yeah, the pronouns in the game is really good. Uh, I feel like people are starting to feel seen. Or they, they, they say that they identify with how they can be portrayed there. Um, there's still a long, long way to go. I mean, skin tones are still not 100% accurate. Um, when you create a trans sim, this trans sim, uh, they, they um, are not built in a way that a trans person actually is. Uh, one of the examples I can give you is when you create a trans woman, they don't have breasts. And if you want to give them breasts, you have to literally type a code to give them the breasts, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that is something that is minor and that it's fixable and they can change it. Uh, but on the whole, you know, the, the ability that scenes learn uh, what kind of relationships they should link towards to is controlled by who is playing, you know. Uh, if I have a, a, a sim who only relates, uh, who only has relationships with uh, female sims, they are going to uh, have that orientation. If it's only with male, they are going to have this orientation. If it's not with anybody, it's with a completely different gender, it's what they are going to link towards to. So yes, uh, the algorithm of the game in this kind, in this case, learns very fast. And, uh, you know, it's quite fun to see how it can reflect reality. You know, it's not just about, uh, oh, they have a rainbow shirt, but the algorithm actually learns what the player is doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, this feature has definitely taken us over and above all of the uh, assets that they've given us, let's say, in the past couple of years, because like you just said, you know, the rainbow shirt, we've had um, some advocate assets that have been added to the game, which I think are great to have. I mean, especially when you're trying to tell a story, yeah. uh, whether it be in your builds or your casts, or if you're doing machinima, like it makes it extremely easy for the creator to convey this is a a community member um yeah. when we're saying community we're just we're talking about the the lgbtq community in case our listeners are are wondering <laughs> but um typically when we say community we're just talking about the sims community but on this special episode that's who we'll be talking about but yeah i i, I think it's for me um Visibility has been something that I've been learning how to uh, address over the past two mm -hmm. years. Yeah. Um, my initial sexuality, I was a I was a straight cis woman for, or at least that's what I was telling everyone for about thirty to the 36 years of my life. Um, I married a straight cis man. And in the last two years, with all of the talk within our own community here in The Sims, within the, the community in socially, all of the social changes we've gone through over the past couple years in the world. I mean, we also 
went through a, a presidency that was very anti-gay and anti, you know, everything. trans, <laughs> everything. Yes. Yeah. So there was a lot of advocacy that happened over those past couple years because it is you don't realize how easily those things can be taken away from people until it happens. And then you're like, whoa, wait a second. Like, exactly. you know, um, so it, I then came out as a bisexual woman um, because I have had a bisexual relationship in my past that I was not open about. Um, mm -hmm. And then it has since the more I've learned about sexuality in the past two years, I have now with the help of actually with Sumi's help, I have now come to understand that I lean more into the pansexual spectrum, which is just a general admiration for all people. Um, so yeah, it's, it doesn't change the fact that, I'm a woman and I'm married to a man and I have that heterosexual relationship there. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean that I'm going to suddenly cheat on my husband and, you know, yeah, go exactly. date a woman or a trans person or a non-binary person. It just means that I can appreciate both physically, mentally, all of, you know, all people for who they are. Um, and I think that that's, that's something that I am really excited to see in The Sims mm -hmm. as it evolves with this pronoun update. Yeah. Relationship, mm -hmm. the inner workings of the relationships in the game and how Sims portray attraction mm -hmm. is really yeah. exciting to me. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah, I think that the Sims, um, not only uh, we're talking about just the, the updates and uh, the possibilities, but the Sims has allowed people who are not open about who they are, for whatever reasons, we don't need to go deep into that, to live, even if it's in a, in a virtual mean, who they are. You know, they can live their truth to themselves in that microcosm. Do you know what I mean? And uh, that is very important because that might give these people the courage to one day come out, when they can come out, when it's their time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of, let's train what I can do later. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. At the very least, they can, obviously it's not real, but in a way they can like have their true reality played yeah. out, yeah. you know, how they really feel, if, you know, maybe they're. And, and we've all been trying to do that for the past 20 years with this oh, game. Oh, for sure. I don't know who hasn't. If anybody says they haven't married their crush in The Sims, I don't know if I believe you all. I think you're a liar. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I, I truly cannot say this because, you know, uh, I've been in a relationship for 17 years. But did so, you ever make your boyfriend in The Sims? Of course he made me. Exactly. He was so like, if you have... don't make me in your game, I'm going to divorce you. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to make you. <laughs> yeah. So in your uh, questionnaire that we sent over to you, one of the things that you had mentioned was that you feel like the gay men are the most visible in the Sims community. Um, Not just in the Sims, but in general. In general, in right. General. Uh, so how, 
how do you want to bring more visibility as a gay man to the entire spectrum? Exactly. Um, historically, when you talk about the, the whole community, uh, who started the revolutions? The trans women, especially the trans women, they were the ones who started them. Uh, yeah. You know, you just take Marsha P. Johnson and uh, uh, Sylvia Rivera in the United States. Uh, in Brazil, we had Rogeria. Um, we had Roberta Close in Brazil as well. Uh, they were the ones in the front of the line when we talked about battles. Then we had everyone else. You know, mm -hmm. trans people were never afraid to fight. Gay men became lazy over the time. You know, uh, what I mean is they, the world that we live in is uh, controlled by men. We all know that. It's a sexist point of view, but sadly, it's what ha what's happening, you know, at the moment. So, uh, gay men are better seen uh, than everyone else. We have more privileges. We are men. We are cisgender men, most of us. Um, and uh, I believe that people take this for granted. And they say, we have it easy. We don't have to fight for everyone else. We already have our own. We are already accepted. And that is not true because, uh, you know, lesbians, let's take lesbians, for example, uh, they can be homosexual and live their truths and uh, live their own lives, but they are still going to face sexism. They are still going to hear jokes. I'm going to put this, you know, between inverted commas because this is not a joke, uh, that they are only lesbians because they haven't met the right guy. Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. This is the form of violence, even if it's not physical, it's a verbal violence, it's bad. And uh, the same way that uh, people make a lot of, you know, bad jokes that are not jokes, they are uh, small violences against everyone else, uh, especially... Yeah, bisexuals uh, or bisexuals because they're confused. Exactly, or no, trans people are not real people. Uh, I could turn like you straight kind of jokes. Exactly. Which... It's not yeah. a joke. It's not funny. It's disgusting. Exactly. Um, and even in the gay community, we we hear jokes like, um, oh, I'm allergic to vaginas and things like this. This is also violence against women. You know what I mean? And the first thing that we have to do is when we hear these things, it's called people out and say, why the hell are you saying this? It doesn't make mm -hmm. sense. It's something bad to do. That is the first thing, you know, is just to ask for respect. But when it comes to uh, fighting the battles, uh, gay people cannot just fight the gay fights. It's a community. We have to fight for everyone else. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, right now in Brazil, it's possible for, uh, you know, trans people to have uh, their social names in their documents. It wasn't five years ago. Uh, did they fight by themselves? Yes. Would have that come faster if everyone else had fought with them? Yes. But people, uh, like I said, uh, said, oh, this is not my fight, I'm not going to do this. But now that we are seeing that there's a raise in um, violence against everyone else in the community, uh, we are getting ourselves together to try and stop this. Uh, so when it comes to, you know, gay men having privileges, 
use this privilege to be heard, to she to shed light in everything else that is happening, in everything else that is going on. Don't just stand there and say, oh, this is not mine. I'm not going to do anything. Yes, this is yours. Yes, you belong to the community. Yes, these are your people. These are your family. Do something about it. You know? mm-hmm. Do you find that any, I mean, I, I'm sure this exists, but do you find any, like, I guess any sect, like sector of the community that's like, well, I'm gay, but just because I'm gay doesn't mean like I think that other letters of the acronym should have rights, like transphobic gays, or is that something you have ever come like across? Inside, in, inside the, you know, the community, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, transphobia is still very big. Uh, lesbophobia is still very big. Uh, gay men, they suffer from uh, a problem that is called the spring effect. Have you ever heard of this? You are so compressed, so compressed that when you have the chance, you just go all the way to the front, you know, very strongly, mm-hmm. and you don't care what who is there, what is there, you just, you know, smash everything. Mm-hmm. That is a spring effect, and that's what gay men uh, suffer from. Uh, so when they get the chance to not be the, the oppressed people, they start oppressing everyone. And that means they start oppressing the lesbians, the bisexuals, uh, the trans people, and then uh, the other sexual genders, uh, orientations, and identities that are not as popular as the four first ones. Um, especially when you talk about the asexuals and aromantics, that is... Uh, yeah, uh, I, was gonna, I was just about to say that. Exactly. Uh, it, it's mostly because they don't understand that they uh, make fun and that they uh, treat them with disrespect. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of transphobia going on, especially uh, with gay men. Uh, they say that, um, you know, these uh, e- either trans men or trans women, that they are uh, neither gender, so um, they don't know where they stand with them. Um, it's like, oh, I have a, a, a trans friend just because she's funny or just because she's a hairdresser or anything like this. Or, you know, the, the joke that I hear quite a lot. Oh, this was made by lesbians, so we know that this is going to work. You know, uh, I, I mean, yeah, you, you don't need to say this. You don't need to do this uh, just because, like I said, just because you are the privileged one, because you are the most seen one, instead of helping the others, you are putting them down, and you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. Right. If you are the privileged one, you should help all the others to have the same privilege as you do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, just as we were talking about um, asexual and aromantics um, and all the others like uh, queers and uh, solo sexuals and uh, even pansexuals, uh, I had a very strange discussion about pansexuality this week. Um, Whatever people don't understand, they will treat it with disrespect. You know, uh, I'm going to be very blunt with you. Pansexuality and bisexuality are two orientations that are uh, uh, they are not black and white for me. They they have nuances of color that, you know, mix together. So I was trying to figure out what makes each one different. Okay? Why bisexuality is not the same thing as pansexuality? I was trying to figure this out. People, of course, did not know. They started, you know, saying all sorts of things. 
and they started being disrespectful to each other. And all they said was, I just want to know the difference. I don't want you to fight each other, to bicker with each other. I don't want this. And, you know, anytime people don't know what they are talking about or they don't know the subject, they start doing this. And uh, so far, the, the acronym is LGBTAIQP and plus. That's what we have so far. So these eight first letters are pretty much figured out. Everything that is in the plus, we don't know yet. We haven't figured out yet. Uh, we haven't discussed yet. And that is something that is going to keep coming and keep coming. And we are going to learn and we are going to understand. Um, like I said to you, I've been out for 20 years and I, of course, don't know all the orientations. I don't know all the identities. We are always learning. I am always learning. And uh, I am never closed to, you know, talking to people and understanding what's going on. And that is what everyone else should be doing instead of just blurting out, oh, they are just making something new. Oh, this is just something bad. Oh, this is just a phase. Honey, it's not. It's not. Just open yourself and learn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think lack of knowledge breeds fear. Fear yeah. can breed hostility and all sorts of other negative emotions. And I, I think, you know, Obviously, this doesn't solve every single problem in the community, but I think just talking with people that are part of the community, being educated on different sexualities and identities across, you know, a board will, you know, I think that's that's really important um, to everybody, both straight people and people that are part part of the community. Of course, it doesn't solve everything. There's there's a lot more work to do with that, but I think one of the most basic things that we need to do is just get people to respect one another, which exactly. is way more difficult than, than it should be, unfortunately. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, respect is something that uh, is very difficult to gain, but it's so easy to give, you know, mm -hmm. I don't understand why the, this ratio is so unproportional. Well, I guess we can maybe transition a bit into non-sims and your real life and why right. we're kind of on the topic of, of Pride Month. Um, do you plan on participating in any Pride events or parades? Is that something you like to do or not so much? I haven't been to Pride in a real long time. And uh, the reason being is, uh, well, like I said, I am in Brazil. I'm from Brazil. Uh, Brazil is a very poor country. It's a very violent country. Uh, all my friends who attend Pride, they say, oh, someone mugged me, oh, my phone is no longer with me, oh, someone punched me and took my money, and things like this. And um, I just don't feel like doing this anymore. You know, I want to support, but I'm going to support from distance instead of physically being there. You know, uh, It's the same thing with Carnival. I don't participate of Carnival. I don't participate of large gatherings, not just because of COVID, but because of the violence. You know, um, I just don't want to, you know, have to block all my cards and do things like this because I was, you know, in the right place at the wrong time. So sadly, that's the main reason why I'm not going to participate physically, but I'm going to do whatever I can from a distance, really. Uh, that's how I have been doing for the past years, you know. Do you have any uh, online collaborations or anything like that going on to celebrate? 
Sadly for Pride, no collabs are going to happen this year. I don't know why. Um, especially uh, because I have taken so many collabs in the past few months, I am not participating in any. Actually, my next collab is about the summer, <laughs> not about Pride. But I often uh, add some, you know, elements there. But um, specifically about this subject, uh, I'm not going to participate in any this time. Maybe <laughs> in the future, but not now. So I guess uh, what we're going to do, we always play a couple of games at the okay. end. Mm -hmm. Uh, before we say goodbye okay. and Katie makes up these amazing little rankings where she will go through and pick a couple of items and okay. we kind of sit through and rank them okay so okay okay of course <laughs> <laughs> there is the link and it should take you to about 10-ish items okay and a little black box thing to rank them. Okay. And I try to pick, I usually try to pick at least one or two items that I see Simmers use. And then I try to pick some that I feel like are probably not your style, but you never know. I'm, I'm always surprised okay. with what goes in my mind to what people actually pick. And yeah, I guess this was a kind of a, a more intense interview than we usually have because we did talk about some really personal yeah. um things both just in regards to sexuality and and politics and religion so so just be a little bit light-hearted way to let's not end this on the heavy side <laughs> and this um, yeah i'm not going to pride because i don't want to get mucked <laughs> Which exactly. is a, which is a concern, yeah. um, and I'm sorry that you know. I mean, in the U.S., unfortunately, it's 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 the same. It's a dangerous country here too, with with the gun violence and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that is very worrying. I've been watching the news, and I'm like, oh my god, what the hell is going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could have a whole episode on on that with you, huh? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, I'm very vocal about politics, so whenever you want to talk about this subject, just call me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All anyway, right. Do you have items. the list open? You see the yeah. items at the bottom? Okay. Let's go ahead and start with the first one, which are the kind of like shabby granny curtains from Cats and Dogs. Yeah, I'm going to say that this is blah. Meh. Not, not my style. All right. All right. Um, okay. Jesse, have you ranked it yet? Um, I'm, I'm gonna also put it in blah. I think it's yeah. I mean, they have their place. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little bit harsher. I put it in trash. It. I don't think I've ever used these. I could see it for a grandma build, but I just I think they're so ugly, and I I, I hate the like. I just hate the shape. Yeah. It looks like weird legs to me. But I'm going to say to you, if the swatch was better, it would be usable. Even if the shape is weird. Yeah. The swatch is the problem for me. The swatches are all yeah. rough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like plaid. I really don't like plaid. You're not a plaid person. Yeah. Fair no. enough. Fair enough. Um, 
All right. The next item that we have is that like big plant from uh, the Courtyard Oasis kit. Okay. For me, this one is an uh, it's okay. And I'm going to tell you why. It's too big. If it was a tad smaller and we could use it anywhere in the house, it would be great. But just because of this, it's great. Okay. I can use it. Literally same. I put it in it's okay. And the reason is it's just too big. Yeah. I mean, I get like maybe they were trying to have it like realistic, like to a tree, but I want to use this in my house. <laughs> but really, we have this plant for, you know, in real life for being inside the house. And yeah. it doesn't have to be so big. It's so, it's too big. Yeah. It's just, it's freaking ginormous. That's it's like a lot squares. of things with this game. It's yeah. a lot of things with the Sims game that things are just too big. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I also put it in okay. It's mo it's mostly because of the planter that it's in. Like, I feel like if they would have put this in, uh, like a pot or, uh, yeah, it's it just it's just not very usable in most builds. But it's you know it's a nice it's a nice plant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's uh, it's very ornamental. It would look great in a living room, but not on this size. <laughs> All right, Jesse, you want to explain the next item or you want me to? Sure. So this, uh, what was this from? Was this from Dino? Dino. Dino. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is like that marble side buffet uh, console table. I don't know what you would call it from Dine Out. Dine Out, yeah. For me, this one is uh, can't live without it. I use it in many things. Sometimes you don't even notice that I've used it, but it's there. <laughs> um, this item is very versatile. You can make stairs out of it. You can make, um, uh, you know, uh, shower walls. You can make uh, whatever you want. It's very versatile. It's got this beautiful marble texture that we don't have on walls. So uh, for me, it's a complete without it. I put it in it's okay i don't use this one as much um i do really like the one that has the lighting like yeah. oh yeah you know almost the other one like, from dine out yeah 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 i really do like that one i've used that one in a couple of builds as like a you know like a bar like a uh, liquor cabinet whatever you want to call it but um yeah I, I do like this one this is uh probably one of the older items that the texture still is pretty good um but other than that, it's, you know, I don't use it too often. Yeah. I put also put a can't live without it. I really like it. I find myself using this a lot. And like you said, it's very versatile and you can use it for so many things. And it's definitely a marble. I feel like it's a texture, like good marble texture exactly. we're lacking in this game, unfortunately, which... I'd love to because I really like contemporary style and that's mm -hmm. a lot of marble. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, next, we have a shelf from Eco Lifestyle. It's just got like some clutter and, and stuff in it. Yeah, trash it. Different boxes, yeah. Trash it. Trash I've it. never used it. I'm not going to use it. Um, it's definitely not my style. So, no. I... I put it in blah, and that's like a surprising thing for me because Eco Lifestyle is literally my most favorite mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, expansion pack. Well, really, probably any pack, like 
over everything that we have. Um, but this is kind of an awkward shape and it's, it's a little bit too big. And yep. even when you size it down, you have like a shelf that's, you got yeah. a tool mod or use your, you know, OMSP shelf to exactly. put things on it. So yeah, I, I put it in, I put it in blah. I put it in. It's okay. I don't, I don't hate it. I, I I'm kind of with you, Jesse, it's too big. And then when you size it down, it gets all awkward. And another thing is it's not functional. Like you would think it's a bookshelf or something, but it's just a shelf that has yeah. books in it that doesn't do anything. So I think I've had some functionality if it were sized a little different. And maybe if it had a little less clutter, I would like it more. Yeah. But yeah, it's okay. <laughs> all right. So the next one we have is the table from Fitness Stuff, the side table. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. Fitness is my favorite stuff pack because of all the textures. It's so beautiful, so modern. So this table for me, it's not I can't live without it, but it's a great one. I mean, I use it often, but not as much as I should, you know? I put it in, it's okay. Uh, it's not like my favorite side table. And I, I used to use it a whole lot more, like uh, maybe even just a few years ago when I was building, it was definitely one of my go-tos because it is one of the more modern nice tables that yeah. we have side tables um but it's it's not my favorite so i just put it in it's okay yeah i put it in it's okay too i really like the glass it's mm -hmm. really unique that we have that it's just kind of the like texture and the swatches that we have in game aren't my favorite and I don't find myself using them as much, which is unfortunate because I think the shape of this table is really, really lovely, yeah, especially because yeah. again, like that glass, we don't really have like no, we don't have much glass. glass. Yeah. Like anything like this. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next item. The very opulent bed from get famous with like the tufted, uh, headboard and the curtain coming down. Okay, to me this is a burn. It's not even trash. It's burn. <laughs> <laughs> you would take a flamethrower and just set this on fire. Oh, definitely. I would. Yeah. Uh, I also put it in trash. It. It's gross. We don't. We don't stand the the get famous furniture here <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, most of it is is dumpster fire worthy. So yeah, that's, that's, that's where that one went. Yeah. Uh, it's trash for me too. You know, the meme of like someone that like, it's like throwing a person in the garbage. Like yeah. it's like a, like a gif, like throwing the person in the garbage. Like that's me throwing this bed in the garbage. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I, I think I say this every time they get famous for furniture comes up, but like, uh, this is like Donald Trump esque. Exactly. No, that's tacky. It's just horrible. And yeah. I would love if like they could update this because I I kind of in a way like it's nice to kind of have this over the top fancy furniture for like really rich people, but this just isn't it. It's no, and uh, it's this only works ugly. For, it, it, it works for historical builds, but you know, yeah, I cannot see this very beautiful modern house and then this furniture yeah. inside. This, no, this no, ugly furniture. I know, yeah. right? Right. All right. Uh, so the very next item that we have is our 
the loved last panel. I think we'll, I think we would be surprised if this went anywhere else for you. This is one I picked out specifically for you, (laughs) thinking, I think I'll know where you're going to put this one. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to put this in trash it. No, I'm joking. (laughs) 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 No, uh, if you've seen my builds, you'll know I use this a lot. I mean, creating glass facades and things like this, I have to put this on completely without it. Um, But there is one thing, I only use it in either black or white, but never in other colors. Okay, that's very interesting to know. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I put it in great. I I think it's a really awesome item. I don't use it the same way that you use it, but I think it it opens up like a lot of creativity in a build. Um, I just I thought it was a really cool item when we got it because, you know, not just for like using it outdoors, but also like in between floors. I thought it it was it gave some interesting dynamic to a building so yeah i would say it goes in the great yeah i put in caitlin without it too it's it's just a good it's a good item and it's i love that we can tool it and it still stays like transparent and things like that um i mean i don't do anything as cool as you do with it daniel (laughs) but i do like you know using it for like closet doors and you know, to create kind of like glass walls and, and stuff like already that. very cool. This is so cool. <laughs> well, thank you. You're, you're too kind. <laughs> um, next on the list, we have the chair that comes with Paranormal. Okay, this is to like me... the dining chair, sorry. Yeah, this is okay. Um, not good, not bad. It's just there. It, it, it exists. That's it. I put it in great. I like this chair a lot. Um, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. Some of the swatches are kind of questionable. I will, yeah. I will say that. I think all, I think pretty much everything in paranormal has at least one or two swatches that, that are on oh, the weird. questionable side. Yeah. I think everything um, in the Sims Four has one or two swatches. You're like, oh what the yeah, hell were they thinking? Don't even open that can of worms. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. I do really like this chair. I think mainly because it is pretty different than anything that we had before. And the cane is very on trend, I should say, I guess. So I put it in great. Yeah, I put it in great, too. I I do. I like a lot of the swatches. Um, I like the pink one because I like pink. <laughs> and I love the shape of this chair. I think it's it's unique and it's kind of like the first time we had this cane texture introduced into mm-hmm. the game which i like but i again I, I can't put it in caitlin without because it does have some odd swatches um yeah but again like it's just the sims here if you play this game you're kind of used to those quirks of well they couldn't give us a, like a plain black or white but they did give us barf green so yay <laughs> i have to leave all right. The next one we have here looks like the orchid. I, what is this from? Katie? Snowy this Escape. From, okay, from Snowy, Snowy Escape. Escape. Yeah. To me, this is a complete without it. I'm going to tell you, I am not a flower guy, but this one I use it all the time on my builds because, out of all the flowers that we have in the game, this is the most sleek and chic one that we have there. Um, I said it's okay. I I don't use the orchids all that much um my husband actually is a huge fan of orchids uh that's probably like his favorite uh 
I don't know, but yeah, flower. botanical family is the orchid slash lily family. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's pretty and I've definitely used it. Um, I like it. It is very architectural looking, which is why I, I can see you using it a lot um, because it, it gives that little bit of like natural softness to some of your harder builds, but then also still maintaining the integrity. Exactly. So um, I can understand, you know, why you use it as much, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's just, it's just okay for me. Yeah. I'm in between you guys. I put it in great. Um, and I totally agree. I put this flower in because I was like, this just seems like it wasn't actually something I saw a lot in your builds, but I mean, again, like I just kind of glanced through your feet. I don't go super in depth. Um, but I thought this would be something you'd like kind of for the same reasons. Like it's, it's got that like nice architectural, like zigzag yep. looking yep. thing that, that kind of just reminded me of you. Um, and my personal reasons for putting it in great is I, I do also like, it's one of the few plants that we have that kind of, does have a little bit more like structure yep, exactly. to it. Um, and I think, I think it's really cool. It's just a really cool item. Exactly. All right. Last but not least, we have the desk. I think it's a desk That's from um, the Star Wars Journey Tube to Pack. Yes. Um, I'm going to put this in blah. But I really like uh, the Journey to Batu pack because it's got so many items that you can use to mod in. But this specific item is not one of my favorites because it's just too steampunk for my taste. If you had chosen something else, something extra, maybe it would be you know ranked a little higher, but not this one. <laughs> yeah, I I put it in blah and kind of for the same reasons it's i like the journey to patu pack there's a lot of really good items but this is just not something that i find myself utilizing or even thinking about like i honestly forgot this item existed until it was on the list <laughs> um because it's just not something that i i'm like oh where's that desk no. uh it's yeah i mean but i think with the upcoming pack maybe i'll find yeah. a place to put it yeah I, I feel like there's some good integrations that are going to happen the new yeah, pack maybe. is definitely have like kind of like a grungy vibe um but anyway i put this in blah too um i'm with you guys i i like the two pack i know it's very very controversial in the sims community but i overall like the pack um i don't like this item however it's yeah it's way too like if you like if i put this in like a regular bedroom it would be for like a star wars nerd or like cosplayer or something like that i was gonna pick like some of those like wall vents that i kind of figured you would like but i was oh, like yeah. let's just pick something random that i have no idea <laughs> how he feels about <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, the, the vents would be uh, uh, definitely a conflict without a choice. Right, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love those vents, too. You can yeah. do so many cool things with those with Toolmod. Oh, I, I don't remember who did it. Um, I don't remember if it was Alessia or someone else who made a record player with that, you know, a vinyl player. What? Yeah, I, sh I should look who made it because it was so awesome. That is absolutely 
genius. Wow. It's insane. It's insane. All right. So the next game that we have uh, is Katie's brainchild. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it. It's starting to really grow on me because it's not nearly as uh, it's not nearly as awful as the game we all played as children because Mm -hmm. we're talking about the Sims. So I feel like they're not real people. Exactly. Exactly. I don't play this game with real people. A little ruthless (laughs) in our decisions. So we'll go ahead and uh, we'll let Katie uh, go ahead and tell you the rules on this one. So, yeah, this is Woohoo Mary Cowplant, which, again, you've probably heard of the real life game called F Mary Kill, which is horrible. And yeah, yeah, I don't play that in real life with real people, (laughs) but with Sims characters, they're they're just pixels, right? (laughs) So basically, you, you know, you probably get it. Pick one townie. It can be any townie that you want from any of the Sims franchises that you'd want to woohoo, one that you want to marry, and one that just needs to go be fed to a cow plant. Okay. So um, I would say Nancy Landgrab, Nancy Landgrab, Nancy Landgrab. Oh. Yes. Why? Why? Because first you marry her, you get her money, then... (gasps) You 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 know you woohoo with her because you know, consummate the marriage exactly. Then you feed her to the cow plant and get all the money. Wow! Wow! Genius! That's I'm I'm ex- I'm not surprised. I'm surprised by your answer, but I'm not like now that you've explained <laughs> it. I'm not surprised, and I don't understand why people haven't like considered that. You know what? Yeah. One person, just do it all. Just yeah, do exactly. it all. One person, <laughs> marry, get the money, kill them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's the one perfect, shot. It's the perfect crime. The perfect crime. Although perfect you would crime. have to get rid of uh, her husband yeah. and kids, but eh, you can just kick them yeah, to the curb. Exactly. You know, Malcolm cares about Malcolm. Malcolm's a jerk. Oh, you know how this could be the perfect ending, though? You could j- run off with Johnny Zest and yeah. then finally Oh, yeah. Kids. You like know, he my, deserves. In my games, I always marry him, you know? Yeah, he's cute. Except he always <laughs> pranks my Sims toilets, which I'm like, Johnny, if you prank my toilet one more time, you're going to the cow plant. <laughs> that was Lisa's pick for uh, for Mary, I think, was Johnny's Zest because yeah. she likes funny guys and she figured, you know, they would have a good relationship. He'd always keep her laughing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well... Daniel, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for just being so open and honest about you know your experiences as a gay man in Brazil um, and your your thoughts on you know kind of like the future of the LGBTQIAP plus movement. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, it was lovely talking to you. Um, also, thank you so much for kind of like the little tidbits of history that you throughout there because I definitely learned a lot today talking to you. Um, I love personally love history. So I, it's great kind of learning about that. Yeah. It was really fun to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely talking to you too. I mean, we have been, you know, just chatting on Instagram for like ever. (laughs) It's the first (laughs) time that we actually get to, you know, talk to each other, hear each other. So it's been really fun. So thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Take care, everyone. (laughs) Stay safe. And 
I'm sure we will uh, see some cool builds from you soon. <laughs> we can't wait to see what you do next. Woohoo! Oh, thank you so much. Thanks so much. New builds are coming. <laughs> thank you, Daniel, for being a part of this special Pride Month episode. We learned so much and we are so thankful to call you a friend. You can check out the show notes below to follow Daniel on social media. This month, we are campaigning for The Trevor Project, a nonprofit organization that focuses on suicide prevention among our LGBTQ youth. There will be a link in the show notes you can use to donate. We are trying to collect $500 during the month of June, so anything you can give will make a difference. We'll be back in two weeks with our final episode of season two. As always, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and of course, if you have ideas for future episodes of the podcast, you can email us at the Sheehan's and podcast at gmail.com. Deck deck. <laughs>